Hey, it's Garbage Brain University. I'm Drew Toothpaste. I'm Natalie D. Today we're talking... Caterpillars and the stuff they turn into. Those little guys that eat all your plants. They're worms, but fancier. When I was a child, I was told they were very hungry. Yes, yeah. Caterpillars are a worm with a dream. <laughs> <laughs> They're going places. They squirm. They're tubes yeah you see one crawling around on the ground you go look at that do they have skeletons no, no absolutely not but they're squishy on the outside too yeah it's a hard life so they're like worms absolutely worms well natalie what is a caterpillar uh caterpillars are the larval stage of members of the order lepidoptera <laughs> and they make butterflies and moths I uh, was at the conservatory. They do over here, you know, the big glass building down here. The plants here. in it, yeah. You know, it's always too hot in there. They, oh, it's always way too hot, yeah. Swampy. They did a thing where they have a bunch of monarch butterflies. They're trying to reintroduce them to Ohio because they're supposed to be native here, I guess, and they died off because of people. And uh, I asked the guy who worked there what the difference is between a butterfly and a moth, and he was honestly kind of stymied. And he's like, well, I'm... Uh, I mean, we don't really know. I mean, uh, why, you know, they're different and why they turn into a butterfly or a moth. And then uh, I talked to I talked to Nona about it. I said I we spotted some some kind of uh, Lepidoptera, right out in the woods or something. And I was like, what the hell's that? She said, oh, that's a butterfly. When moths land, their wings are flat. Butterflies have their wings have their wings perpendicular to the ground. You and I was like the guy at the conservatory would have known that. He yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are basic differences yeah. between between them, but she's like she's a wild crat, so she <laughs> Right. Right. She is a wild crat. You know, was the was the phrase wild crat was that meant to play on like aristocrat? I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. Wild crat. Or was it man. wild cat? It's wild crats because their names are crat. Yeah, but is it <laughs> is it a play on wild cat? I don't know. Gotta go wild wild crats. Gotta go wild 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 crats. <laughs> I haven't seen that in a while. That was a banger. It was a banger. The crat brothers. This is like the nine hundredth time we've talked about wild the crats. Crat brothers. <laughs> they got too old. Right. They got too old. But they're Nobody still like them. sprightly though. Yeah, uh, maybe they're not. Maybe that's why we quit watching. Well, you quit watching because our child went through puberty. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, okay, so caterpillars, they, I know I was talking about this before, too. I hate moths. I don't hate moths. I don't like them. I don't like to see them. I understand their importance to the universe, and I'll, I will give them their space, but I don't like them that much. They basically just crap around. I hate how they just, like, fly in your face. Why? You don't like it. I don't like it. Why, why do you keep doing it? Stop. 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 Right, I hate it. And they're not colorful. I feel like if they weren't such little dusty, fuzzy white guys, like if you didn't look like a ball of dust. Aren't they covered in dust? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if you ever smash a moth, which I don't know if it's good or not, but if you do ever smash a moth, you'll just leave a moth print behind. Right. I'd rather just like scoot it out the door. Get the fuck out of here, idiot. Yeah, get out of here. You do the little move with the two doors, like opening and closing. Yeah, them. you open the inside and then you you maneuver them both at the same time, mm-hmm. like an airlock. Get the fuck out! Exactly. Like that. That's the move, man. So okay, caterpillars are like baby versions of moths and butterflies, and so what they do is they just eat. 
and eat and eat. They will eat usually leaves and some of them will also eat other bugs and some of them will eat other caterpillars. So they're horrible. Well, they eat a huge amount. Mm -hmm. I had some basil plants and they were kind of getting chewed up and they had holes in them. And I was like, well, it could be any old bug really. And they just kept getting more and more chewed up. They're inside. They're inside under my shop lights. And uh, finally I, I, took the plant out i was gonna like prune it and look at it make sure there's nothing on it and a big fucking green caterpillar fell off i squished him and he squished out a bunch of green probably because all he eats is my basil plants right and that was it i never got another damn hole in him it was one caterpillar that that was laying waste to like yeah he was laying waste to like eight pounds of basil plants that asshole i don't even know how he got in i mean so a caterpillar has to come from a caterpillar egg right Uh uh-huh or would it be a moth egg? It depends on what. We didn't find out what the caterpillar was going to turn into. No. I guess I would have had to wait it. So he could have come from a butterfly egg or a moth egg. Yeah. Or he just like, what was the thing called? Um, where it just like springs to life out of nowhere. Like immaculate conception? No, like you know how they used, they, they did those old. Spontaneous the, something? Spontaneous generation. Whatever they call it, they they did those old studies where they put the meat in the jar. Oh yeah. To prove that to prove that flies did not come from meat. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> they thought that meat turned into hot rice, and then the hot rice yeah. turned into flies. <laughs> the meat itself was producing the flies out of its own meatness. Yeah. I remember reading somewhere that in the Middle Ages, people thought that acne was worms, and so they had to squeeze the worms out. Oh, right. The little bits of pus coming out. That... They thought that those were worms, and so they were. that's what they assumed the condition was. They do look wormy, uh-huh. and there are worms that are like that size, so you right. can't blame them. So, but their their medical advice was the opposite of what ours would be. Ours is like, leave it alone. Don't do anything with it. Just let it go. They're like, dig them all out. Dig them all out. That's, that was the old advice. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, life was pretty grimy back then. I think, like, a peasant in their house just, like, squishing their acne out into the hay before laying down to go to sleep. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Same as anything else, though, man. (laughs) Same as anything else. You know what I think about a lot back then is how much mud there was. Yeah. Like, basically, everything was mud. If you don't pave anything, you got mud. Right, right. I mean, if you're in a dry part of the world, then you just got dust and sand and stuff. But around here, all you would have is mud, really. Right, right. I always think about how back then nobody knew how to read. <laughs> like such a very small percentage of people knew how to read. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was just everything was objects. Right. There was like no abstraction. There was no, I mean, what? Your information is what someone else said, which... As we know now in modern times, getting your information from what another guy says mm-hmm. is not necessarily the best way yeah, to do it. Yeah, it's not it necessarily. <laughs> yeah, but I think about that. Like, Not only do people not know how to read, but like when they would publish books back then, they would be in Latin. And so you not only would you have to know how to read, but you'd also have to learn Latin in order to read anything. That is such a stumbling block. <laughs> it's almost like they didn't want them to read. Much to think about. <laughs> but, you know, nowadays they just convince people to decide that they weren't going to read on their own instead of forcing them to not read. Well, now it's also more sinister because 
time was you would hop online and you would read all of the news. You would read everybody's articles that they wrote mm-hmm. and you would get on there and you would read it. And then that would that was a main activity. And then people started up web blogs. And the idea was that you could talk about what you had read or you would you would log what you saw on the web. Right. This is before this turned into like writing diaries and then turned into like personal accounts, which is what blogs became at a certain point, right? Mm-hmm. But in the modern condition, everything is paywalled except the very most psycho things. <laughs> So if you go onto the web to read for free, you'll notice that everything on the worst lunatic websites is all open door. Come on in, baby. We got an article for you. (laughs) You Come and get some. Exactly. You can read as much of that stuff as you want, but you go to some place that's like, I read a great article in Mother Jones about the problems with policing, and you click on it, and it's like, dear reader. (laughs) we noticed that you're using an ad blocker yeah i fucking use an ad blocker because your shit's covering ads idiot right i'm so tired of getting advertised to that is like my biggest peeve and like it is so exhausting to be constantly advertised to at all times and then you leave your house and there's like advertisements everywhere when you go out it is like so bad aesthetics it's like the shittiest aesthetics. It's so hateful. I always dream of moving somewhere that's small enough that no one wastes their ad money there. I think that's a fantastic idea. I think one question you have to ask yourself is when does it become preferable to drop out of society? When is it time for you to run to the woods? When is it time to go? <laughs> and I think the answer is that society has to get bad enough. Right. I mean, unless things turn around, society in general, as far as what what I want out of society, may keep getting worse. That doesn't mean that I am going to to find a a psycho cult and join that. And then we're gonna have a different psycho society that is better than the mainstream one, except in this one, we cut our balls off or something. (laughs) It just means that at some point you forego paying attention to the mass media and you stop participating in it materially. If you find a way for you to do that and you decide you want to do that. Some people have always through history, just decided I'm fed up with this. You know what? I mean, I'm not even like a negative person. I know that things change. The pendulum swings both ways. Things are bad now, but they will improve and then they're going to get bad again. Sure, absolutely. That's just how that's just how things are. Like, so I'm not even mad at society, but I have really been thinking a lot lately about this idea that I don't believe that society functions if you live in a community that has more than maybe like 5,000 people in it. I think that the anonymity you have in a uh, Let's say you live in a city of 2 million people or a metro area of 2 million people. You drive around and you walk around. The vast majority of people don't know you. Mm -hmm. I mean, we live in a little neighborhood inside of the city. And apart from your immediate neighbors, you don't know anybody you walk by. Right. Even though, you know, probably we live the vast majority of our lives, you know, the little stores, the little schools, the library, the pool. Mm Mm-hmm. 
what else is there? But you don't know the majority of the people. You might see the same guy at the post office. Right. But it, yeah, I just feel like you're not able to conceptualize more than like 100 or 200 people, right? Like to, no, to know them as discrete people and know anything about them. There's a perceptual limit to the number of people you can have like close acquaintances or or mild friendships with. Right. There's like a limit to the number of people beyond which you are looking in your Rolodex and you're like, how are you doing? How was your birthday you had on March 3rd? <laughs> right, right. And so when you when you live in this bloated society, like your interactions with people then are made even more superficial than they would be if you're merely acquaintances with them. And there are so many people that it forces people into like polarizing themselves into smaller groups. And then it is easier for you to like not recognize other people's uniqueness you know what i'm saying yeah i think it is very easy if you live in a city of one or five million to try to gang up only with people that meet a very narrow criteria right and i think that having a mindset that only people who are very similar to you are acceptable to you and everyone else is in an out group. I think that idea maybe pitches you against the great majority of the other people you see. Right. Even though at the same time, you know, maybe recently you have reminders that when something goes slightly bad and people's routines are disrupted, you find out that the, you know, certain arms of the government won't help, businesses won't help, other people just start going hog wild. Right. <laughs> And so you find that everybody is going crazy and there's no help from above because we are the adults. Right. And so it's very easy to think maybe people are crazy, but people who are in your narrow friend group who like the same uh, music and activities that you do and uh, know the same code words and all have the same stuff, like even in that group, you know, there's one person who is scared to leave their apartment and there's somebody else who has been going to the movies every day. So. Right, right. <laughs> You know, they're they're just false distinctions. I think historically part of human life is that you run into people that you don't have a lot in common with and you learn and you grow by knowing people that you are different from. Right. And I think that knowing people who you are different from and having to interact with those people, it makes you more able to appreciate the complexities that people contain, right? Like the nuances of people's personalities and all of the facets of that a person could have like you can meet somebody who your knee-jerk reaction would be to close yourself off from them because they have like differing political opinions or they have like whatever the fuck right whatever whatever you don't like right they're not the same age as you yeah. they are not into the same forms of entertainment as you and all this is very superficial right right and they could even be wrong about shit right they could even be totally wrong about shit but you have to understand that just because they have these negatives to their personalities doesn't mean that they don't have positives to their personalities it doesn't mean that everything about them is is wrong right yeah and you're not able to learn from other people. You're not able to appreciate other people. You're not able to form relationships with people, which may be what leads someone to changing their mind about something. Well, and also if a lot of the dysfunction that you see, I believe has to do with people being deeply unhappy. And one thing that tends to work with people 
who are deeply unhappy is forming connections with other people and being less lonely. Right. You know, I mean, everybody's different, but that seems to be a pretty general pattern with humans who are social creatures. Right, right. But maybe if your list is not so picky, you can make more of those connections with people. And I guess my point is, is that when you're in a, a super large society, like if you're in a big city, it is so easy to default to that kind of behavior where you only interact with certain people and when you have certain criteria then your pool of acquaintances is so homogenous that even if they have like progressive ideas and stuff like how progressive is it to be so exclusive like you're not really changing society if you're not mixing with society right yeah yeah you can't you can't change things by congealing in a mass and keeping to yourselves let's get back to caterpillars let's <laughs> So they Natalie, eat they eat all kinds of shit, right? Natalie, what are caterpillars made of? <sighs> bullshit. They're eat made out of caterpillar bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> what does it say? They have soft bodies and they just molt. So I imagined I want to see a cross section, but I feel like a cross section of one is just gonna be look like a gummy bear. <laughs> a wet gummy bear. <laughs> They can't have much going on. Do they? They have to poop. Oh, they're ship machines. They're total ship machines. Yeah. Okay. They're like the little guy in Adventure Time when Finn's hat turned into a little goblin and he, he just passed the food right through himself. Right. Right. And turned it into turned it into shit pretty much immediately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they will molt and grow and molt and grow and molt and grow. And so they'll start out like a millimeter long, man. And they can get up to be like five and a half inches. Maybe even bigger if you're somewhere crazy like Australia or something. I don't know. Somewhere with crazy animals. Those big hornworm ones. Those yeah. get gigundo. Crazy shit. So they say caterpillars have been around as long as 200 million years ago, which is like... That's pretty much when they started having a bunch of cool animals. <laughs> that, that's believable. They're not particularly advanced. But they're crazy. That You know, the, na the word on the street is that the caterpillar's main trick is that whole metamorphosis thing, which is bananas. I like the idea of metamorphosis because scientists still don't know exactly why caterpillars go through metamorphosis. Uh -huh. And they sort of know how. But they've done behavioral experiments and the behavioral experiment they've done the most is they trained caterpillars. They gave them a little of the Pavlov, right? They let them smell some ethyl alcohol and then they punished them. Uh -huh. Like, I don't know off the top of my head what caterpillar punishment is. They just zapped them a little bit. They probably gave them a little, oh. <laughs> <laughs> or they got them, it's like, they gave them a dirty look. <laughs> Yeah, they just a, at it is a like, withering, Aah. withering science-based look. Fuck yeah. you, caterpillar! You useless, shitty guy. I hate oh, you. My God, I'm not. I'm not going. Just braid him. <laughs> Your personality's terrible. You don't apply yourself. <laughs> right. So it was like there's something they exposed him to the ethyl alcohol, and then they found that when they would make the caterpillars smell ethyl alcohol from like in the future after they conditioned them and they made them smell it, the caterpillars like fuck that and they would walk away from it right uh -huh. yeah well they did this and then they let those caterpillars go through metamorphosis and then when they came out the butterflies were flapping around and the scientists were like hey do you guys like ethyl alcohol and they're like fuck no <laughs> So they 
prove that that conditioning lasts. Yeah. Now, if you try to find any information on like thought patterns of butterflies or caterpillars or anything, everything is just like they don't think. They just react to stimulus. Well, what do you do? Right. You react to stimuli. <laughs> right. Come on. Right. So whether the conditioning is a memory that persists in the animal after it has essentially dissolved and reformed into another animal is up for debate. I think the last time we talked about this, I postulated that maybe some of the, you know, operant conditioning that has been done on these animals persists in the global consciousness and they are yeah. just tapping into their little corner of it that they had before, before they were goop and then they reformed. Right, right. Like they had to have the same like access point. I can't imagine that they would be vibrating on a much different level than they were before. Yeah, it's not a particularly high level, but you guys are still jacked in somewhere. Right, right. <laughs> they just picked it up where they left off. You know what I like to think of it as? When you have an old crappy car, you don't take your old crappy car to the new dealership and have them do $4,000 surgeries on it. Uh You take your old crappy car to the old crappy car place and you go, what can you do? And they're like, $120 worth of work and you're like sold. Right. So I think they just, they have a lower level of the collective consciousness and they tap into fewer complex ideas right but also maybe their information is stored directly in the goop and they just get it back (laughs) there's no way of telling scientists don't know there's maybe not a great way to figure it out and they haven't tried very hard right (laughs) they're not concerned about it really they really (laughs) it's not the most pressing issue you know it would be interesting and it would have implications and other areas of you know biology and stuff what also makes you think though that if the caterpillar's consciousness can survive the goopification of its body then wouldn't that imply also then that our consciousness would survive the goopification of our bodies you don't have to form anything afterwards but like that's what i'm saying and i mean it's possible that you know when these caterpillars dissolve they may have like neurons they may have some little memory tubes that are just floating around and they get them sure they get them back out but you know everybody changes form eventually right i think that's the name of the game i think that that's really what the name of the game is like you get here and then your job is to transform yourself into something better before you go back in the bucket Sometimes I think about, and I haven't seen an actual well in quite some time, but you go to a well, an old style well with a little roof, and it's how deep are wells? 30, 40 feet? They go down pretty far. It's about 600 feet. You shout a sentence down into a well and you walk away. You vibrated the well, the well has experienced it. Can somebody get your sentence back out? That's not a question that you could answer either without a lot of metaphysical thought processes or an extremely detailed scientific experiment. Can they take the rocks in the side of the well and analyze them and find out what you said? Maybe. Maybe. So (laughs) if you could shout into a well and they can get your shout back out. (laughs) Yeah. It's possible the caterpillar's thoughts could survive the goop. (laughs) I mean, we established that they probably do. I think that just establishing an idea of the physical processes involved in anything like that means that it is 
possible in some way. Whether or not you're able to do it with your limited time and resources, you know, that's just a question on the practicality of it. I think one thing that's been good to see is just how fragile everything is. Like, I don't know, just like a million people die and suddenly nobody can get their milk. Right. So we're not that far along to where we are really as scientifically advanced as scientists like us to believe. Like, they're doing their best, but... They, they still haven't gotten very far. They solved the very most basic problems. And the funny thing is that the, the most basic problems, like figuring out that when you drop something, it falls down. Yeah. Those are the ones that are named after guys. <laughs> yeah. Boyle's Law. <laughs> well, he figured out the stuff where you heat up a gas, man. That's Boyle's Law. Man, that's the most... That's the most basic thing you could figure out about gas. <laughs> After you figure out what gas is. Yeah. Right? Charles Law. Yeah, another fucking thing with the gas, man. <laughs> you guys got some gas and you determine basic physical properties of gas and you get a law. And now we have to figure out what happens to caterpillar thoughts. <laughs> what are their little brains thinking of when they're in the goop? That's not going to get anybody's name, man. Do they like being in the goop when they're when they're in it, or do you think that it's like a torturous, a hellscape inside the cocoon where they just scream and scream? Ah, I'm all goopy. <laughs> is that what you would say? Ah, and then they start growing legs. Like, what is this hard thing? Ah. Oh yeah, I didn't used to be crunchy before. Uh, I used to be so squishy. We're always crunchy. So. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. I never thought before whether or not it's terrifying for them to change form, but it's totally possible that it could be. I mean, that was really the whole... <laughs> I guess you could call that Kafka-esque. <laughs> Horror transformations. John Caterpillar awoke from uneasy dreams. <laughs> uh, yes, I, yeah, that's what I think about... That is like my main thought with caterpillars is like, well, I always think about them thinking about stuff and how they remember it when they're a butterfly. That's bananas to me. Their little heads got liquefied, my man. Their little heads got liquefied and they just they created a totally different kind of bug and they still think about the same shit. Well, so one of the theories on how they change form is that they used to be two separate animals. Mm -hmm. That there used to be something that laid an egg and then out of the egg came a butterfly, right? Mm -hmm. Or a little baby butterfly. <laughs> it probably wasn't full size. This is a little one. <laughs> It would be easy to see because we already know that half of it. You know, you have an egg, a caterpillar comes out of the egg, caterpillar walks around eating stuff. That one's easy. It's easy to see that caterpillar could shit an egg out one day, a caterpillar comes out of that egg. Right. That I mean, both sides of that are pretty elementary. Now, it's anybody's guess as to how they could have both combined into one creature. It's like monkeys with typewriters, right? Right. You give them long enough, it will. It will happen. After all, inside of human cells, we have our own human nucleus. Mm -hmm. And the nucleus has our DNA. Isn't it like inside of a fucking crystal? Isn't it in a uh, DNA crystal? Maybe I'm that. thinking of something else. <laughs> we should do an episode about cells. 
If you'd like to hear an episode about cells, shout out on Discord. Patreon.com slash Garbage Brain University is how you get in. Go in the topic suggestion channel and type cells, bitch. <laughs> so in our cells, we have our nucleus and we have all those little organelles. We have the dots, the circles, the lines, the wiggles. Right. All the way in there. Right. And then we've got some other shit called the mitochondria. Uh-huh. And the mitochondria has its own DNA. Right. It has mtDNA. <laughs> or it's got RNA, I don't remember, but it doesn't matter. They're more or less the same thing. And it's got its own completely fucking separate set. And the idea of you having two people inside of you and one of them is inside the other one inside of every cell. <laughs> like, really... Who are you? Who is the who is the person? Who is the person? Is every organism's mitochondria like that, or is it just ours? I would imagine all of the mammals, at least, have a setup like that. I don't remember enough from ninth grade to remember all the little dots inside of a cell. Makes it sound like alien shit for us to have two sets of DNA, man. So who are you? Are you your mitochondria? Are you the larger cell and something is living in you, giving your cells power so that they may run? If you look at a dog, who is your dog? Is your dog the nucleus? Is your dog just this emergent electric field from all of the cells working in tandem? What about your dog's bacteria? Maybe the bacteria are powering your dog like Krang from the mutant turtles. Maybe the... <laughs> Maybe the shit bacteria are just holding on to little joysticks and steering them around, making them run in those circles with his tongue hanging out. Right. They're yelling, yeehaw, they're having a great time. And his own cells are like, I don't know, man, I'm just the car. And the mitochondria is like, I'm just the power for the car. Maybe all the mitochondria and all the nucleus and all the cells and all the everything of your dog is vibrating at a very dog frequency and allows it to pick up a dog's consciousness. Yeah. I mean... And the dog consciousness covers the entire universe. I mean, it's possible if you built a dog on another planet, it would walk around and start sniffing, right? Right. So... I've heard before that people who get past life regressions will find that they have past lives on different planets or as, like, as aliens and stuff. I mean, if that's how it works, then that's totally possible in that model, right? right. I mean, we don't really understand consciousness, so, so who's to say? But I like the idea... So, I mean, it's just the, the standard thought experiment. So, you're a lizard. You pull your tail off. Sure. Your tail, you are your whole lizard, and you can move your tail around. Uh -huh. Your tail comes off. The tail is you. The tail dies on its own. Right. You can grow a new tail if you're a lizard. When you pull the tail off the lizard, the tail is still alive. The tail is still you if you're the lizard. At some point, the tail dies, and you continue. You cut off your your cooking. I've done this before. I've I've cut very small portions off of my fingers before on accident. Mm -hmm. Yuck. <laughs> what happens when you accidentally, the, the tip of your finger, the tip of your toe, something happens and it gets cut off and you're like, oh, I want to reattach it or oh, I, my finger's shorter now. Uh -huh. I, just, I don't have a nail on that finger. I, I'm like a shop teacher, right? It's very normal. There's nothing abnormal about that. That's very common. But you were not in the tip of your finger, and yet the tip of your finger was a part of you. Right. I how only... much How much of you do you cut off? Where Where are you at? Think about it. If you took all the mitochondria out of your body, you would stop functioning. If you get a metabolic disease that affects your mitochondria, you're, you will not work correctly. Right. 
not in a labor type way, in a being healthy type way. Right. I don't think you'd last very long. Yeah. Likewise, if you took all the nuclei out of all of your cells, that would be bad, bad news. news. Yeah, bad, bad news. Bad news. Bad news, guy. All your nuclei disappeared. <laughs> now, as soon as your cells die, that's it. That's the end of them. It'd be like radiation poisoning or something. Maybe. Yeah. Just like you wouldn't be able to have any of your cells divide. And so as everything died, your whole body would just die around you. Well, it sounds fun. What's the catch? <laughs> Just think about it. <laughs> think about it. <laughs> so the process of metamorphosis is more like remodeling as opposed to like being reconstructed. Okay. And so a butterfly, they see it as being a remodeled caterpillar. And they say that certain key structures of the organism are pretty much unchanged, but there are just like certain changes made to it. Like here's wings. Here's some little legs. Maybe you made your body a little bit tighter. Okay. But there's like certain parts of it that are the same regardless of whether or not it's a caterpillar or a butterfly. Okay, so the idea that it all completely undifferentiates. Right, so like the trachea stays the same, like their breathing tubes stay the same. They will grow larger, but it is the same tubes. And certain parts of their brain stay the same. And like the ones that the parts of their brain that are associated with with their antenna and stuff. Okay, that makes sense. And so that would also explain how they were able to smell the same thing before and after is because those antenna and those like sensing organs, like the smelling organs and stuff. Okay. Don't liquefy. So they would have some pathways so they would be Uh able to integrate that pretty easily. So you know about the double thumb, right? Maybe. The double thumb experiment. Scientists did this experiment where they had a prosthetic thumb that they attached on the opposite side of the hand of Mm -hmm. people it was it was there and it was like strapped to their hand it wasn't permanently attached to the bones or anything right but what they did is they had it wired up so that that thumb would work in such a way where the person could control it right and over a period of about six weeks i think it was the people who had the second thumb installed basically stopped thinking about it. They just intuitively used the thumb like it was part of their hand. Right. Were they sad when they lost it? Yes. Yes. People did not like it. All of a sudden when they took it off, they felt weird and they felt impaired. Ah, interesting. So there's a plasticity to the way the brain processes things and we're related to caterpillars. So I would imagine caterpillars have the same plasticity i'm sure they crawl out of the cocoon and it probably takes them a second right they're like all right walking right (laughs) oh got legs now i guess huh how about that look at me i'm the fucking genius but basically you see dogs walk around basically all dogs walk the same way Uh uh-huh with dog legs (laughs) why i meant spoiler alert (laughs) i was thinking about their gait yeah sure their gait so does that come from a collective unconscious? Are they watching other dogs? I don't I don't know that dogs that are so teeny little are necessarily watching other dogs. I think that the way they walk probably comes from the way their dog skeletons are. Just the way they're built, it is part of, of what obviously works. And so within a few minutes, they find trial and error is right. what you're thinking. Right. They figure out how to waddle around. Like how a dog, dog walk. Yeah, with their dog legs. <laughs> Oh, look at these. 
that's new. So maybe the metamorphosis for us is when we when we die and rot, and then we were born as something else. Yeah, and if you come out as a human, it takes you quite a while, right, to get used to your faculties. Right. Like, oh God, another set of people legs. God damn it! I'm I don't sure I was gonna be a sloth this time. <laughs> It's been ages since I've worked a person. Let me see if I can remember how to do this. God damn it. Person is the worst one. That's the one you have to pay for everything. <laughs> if you ever and if you ever want to go anywhere fast at all, you have to learn something else other than walking, which also takes you a while to right, learn. Right, right. Like now I gotta I gotta learn how to balance on a fucking bicycle. I have no immunity to cars, so now I need a car. Right, right. Person is like a really bum setup swag. We could have had a lot more. I think that's proof of uh, a lack of optimization. Right. We could have been sloths right now, man. So if the question is, you know, were humans made by something else? I think a lot of people think that humans were made by something else. We just yeah. don't agree on what on what it is. But really, the idea of not agreeing on what made humans is really inconsequential. Right. If you agree that humans did not just come about on their own everything else is just details you're just arguing over what to call the thing that made humans right right i think it was something else i don't know what it was so i mean the fact that a caterpillar kind of dissolves except for its throat and brain and then comes back together again like a robocop kind of makes it seem like Maybe they were designed by something, too. Right. Like, scientists can't figure out how an animal completely takes itself apart and puts itself back together. Like, it would be like if you bought a python at the nasty snake store. You walked in, and the weird guy at the counter was like, hey, bro. And you're like, let me get one snake. And he's like, absolutely, I love snakes. And you'd go, I love snakes, bro. <laughs> You take it home and you feed it all its little snake chow. Right. And you keep giving it those delicious nuggets. And you come in one day and your snake has surrounded itself by a transparent goo sack. And then for like three weeks, you're like, I don't know, bro. I think I should throw out this goo. And it turned into a turtle. And then one day it busts out. It's a fucking turtle, man. Oh this my God. This rocks. Yeah, this is way better than a snake. You can hug a turtle. Yeah, but your turtle looks at you and remembers all that great snake chow you gave it. Right. He's like, I loved being a snake with you. I can't wait to be a turtle with you. <laughs> I think the funniest thing about caterpillars mm -hmm. in caterpillar diets, and I got to thank the Garbage Brain Research team for this one, the funniest thing about them is that the very first thing they do when they bust out of the egg is they eat their egg. Yeah, that's gross. <laughs> that's disgusting. Did you know that they eat so much food that they consume 27,000 times the size of their body? Like total? Uh -huh. And so they will grow 100 times larger than their size when they hatch. Man. Well, I mean, I just think it's a time span thing, though. Because I was bigger, bigger, bigger. Yeah, I mean, I was just about nine pounds when I was born, so that'd be like if I was nine hundred pounds. Yeah. But eating twenty-seven thousand times their body size, I don't know. I got to think about that. They probably need a lot of calories to turn into a butterfly. Twenty-seven thousand times your body size uh -huh. seems like a lot. Is that from their body size when they hatched? Because that's little. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying is I'm like approximately, I'm like 21 times 
of my smallest size when I was born. Yeah, you probably ate 27,000 of your baby size by now. (laughs) So 27,000... 27,000 times of my baby size of nine pounds. Hold on. I'm computating it. That's two. That's 243,000 pounds of food, which sounds like a lot. How many days have you been alive? Um, Let's find out. Is this a job for calculator? How many days have I been alive? Uh, wait, don't tell me. <laughs> Uh, like, uh... About 15,330. So how many, how many baby size? Uh, 243,000. 243,000 divided by 15,330 equals 15 pounds a day. Yeah. I think you can do that. You think I could eat 15 pounds of food a day? Maybe, I don't know. I eat a... Like, yeah. I eat a max of like two pounds of food and that's only if i'm vegging out right so i have to be eating a lot of vegetables for that to happen yeah so so we're trying to okay so that's how many calories you would need in order to transform into something else well maybe that's why it hasn't happened maybe that's why i'm still 15 pounds of food well it'll be vegetables so it'd be 15 pounds of lettuce how much is in a pound of lettuce how much calories not very much 68 Wait, no. Yeah, 68 calories in a pound. So if you ate 15 pounds of lettuce like a caterpillar, you would absolutely yeah. be able to do it. Yeah. But I mean, it's just pushing that all that green through my system. Right. Just like a caterpillar. Caterpillar man. So you'd have to eat 15 pounds of lettuce, which would be... <laughs> but that lettuce is mostly water. I think I would get like well, so hyponatremic the... or something. That's only a thousand. You would be trim and slim if you ate 15 pounds of lettuce a day. I, and would, that was be it. A, I would be a small man. <laughs> be a small aged baby <laughs> that's my small aged baby <laughs> i'm you gotta think that caterpillars he's, be a caterpillar. you, he's a butterfly now <laughs> if caterpillars were aware of everything else they would be like look at these basic motherfuckers they just all they do is they stretch out and they turn into wrinkled babies. <laughs> yeah, right. Useless. They never grow extra legs. Nope. They can't grow a new leg if you cut one off. Fucking bummer town. <laughs> right. And you gotta pay for that shit. They have to pay to learn how to drive so they can walk faster. <laughs> anyway, so I think that we established how much you would need to eat in order to be a caterpillar. Fifteen pounds of lettuce a day. Yeah. Sounds crazy. If you were a nine pound baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because it would have to be on the baby basis, because if it was on the grown man basis, I'd be eating 300 pounds of lettuce a day. (laughs) But still, like, not very many calories. Well, instead of 1,000 calories a day, it would be 20,000 calories a day of lettuce. (laughs) Something would happen. Munching. Something would happen. And munching. If I eat a whole onion, my body goes into revolt for two days. (laughs) I I don't think I could eat that much lettuce. Right. I could eat a lot of lettuce. Lettuce is pretty inoffensive to me. How much lettuce do you think you could eat, like, if you were really going for it? Well, okay, so I, I will change it and just say spinach. I could eat infinite spinach. <laughs> a spinach would take you down. That lettuce is mostly inert. That spinach is all full of that oxalic acid and stuff, though. 
Yeah. You get massive kidney stones. If you ate like multiple pounds of spinach, you ever had spinach mouth? What's that? No, I've never had spinach mouth. I had that spinach mouth before. That was awful. I didn't know what was wrong with me. It just, it ended up going away, but I like rinsed my mouth out a hundred times. What happens is if you eat a ton of raw spinach, and this happened because we had gotten a tub of spinach and we had some little cute amount of it for dinner, and then it was like hanging out, and I was like, I'm not throwing this away. This was like $6. <laughs> $14 for spinach? It was in one of those fucking tubs. So I just cracked it open, and I was eating it, and I was like, this is pretty good. It's pretty pleasant. Spinach is a pretty good vegetable. It's my favorite vegetable, yeah. And I ate it, and probably a half an hour after I ate, I was like, my mouth feels weird. It was like my whole mouth was coated with something, and then nothing tasted right. Right. Nothing tasted right for like the whole rest of the day, maybe. I found out later it's like a known thing. It's like it's not as bad as pine mouth, which is another. Did you get it when it's cooked? No, not okay. at all when it's cooked. It's just because it was raw. It's something to do with. Whenever uh, I buy those big tubs, I always cook it and I'll eat the whole tub. <laughs> Fuck it up. Spinach time. <laughs> um, did you know that caterpillars have 4,000 muscles, but you only have 629? It's a lot more than me. That's what I just said. They have muscles. Each muscle has one or two neurons on it. And they are all unique. And they are all over the place, right? So instead of having large muscles. They have little teeny ones. They just have little individual muscles that they can move individually. Mm-hmm. That's where they have that they don't vibe. have any. They don't have any bones. I guess they got a squirm, right? Yeah. yeah, they're like worms. They got that worm body. But they got little useless legs on them. Could they use their hands for stuff? Like raccoons? Probably not. It doesn't seem like they could. Huh. What do a caterpillar's hands look like? Let's look it up. Caterpillar hands. Details. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just people holding caterpillars. <laughs> yeah, they don't really have much as far. Their legs are stumps. Those are cute ones. Those are little zebra striped ones. If I saw that, I would squish it so fast. I don't like that guy. That's the thing is bugs outside. I feel like bugs... The outside is their domain, but uh-huh. when it comes to getting in and eating all my plants that I set out there, because I was going to eat those plants, I feel like you got to get squished, man. Get the fuck out of here, bitch. That's what you say to them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't have hands. Newsflash. <laughs> uh, there is a caterpillar called the assassin caterpillar, which is also... Uh, the caterpillar that turns into a silkworm moth. Yeah. And they have killed a bunch of people in Brazil, and it makes them bleed to death. That's pretty fucking brutal. I didn't know that caterpillar could cause you to bleed out. I know when I was a kid, I handled some, like, North American hairy boy. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I got a big, long trail of, like, dermatitis going up my arm. Yeah, I know that feeling. So caterpillars have spiracles on their sides. Isn't that what cockroaches have? Yeah, to breathe, uh-huh. like as an oxygen exchange. Yeah, and then so they have the spiracles, and then they're uh, connected to their trachea. And so when they are doing their little caterpillar move when they're moving around, mm-hmm. that is how they breathe by their spiracles going when they're moving around. Okay, creepy. It's a creepy way to breathe. And so would that mean that if they stop moving, they would die? I don't know. You'd think they sleep. Do caterpillars sleep? Um, let's ask. Let's ask Bing. They have to. Maybe they don't. Do bugs sleep? Have we asked this question before? Do sleep, but not like we do. They take cat naps. Okay. For about 10 minutes. Just sunk out. I see bugs. Do bugs sleep? Yes. 
You just typed, do bugs sleep? And it said in like 36 point font, yes. <laughs> Thank you, Bing. <laughs> I told you you got it. It feels like the more sure they are about the answer, the bigger the text is. <laughs> or maybe they're they're doing that because they think it's a kid asking. Right. Maybe. Maybe. I love when I type something. <laughs> I love when I type something in and the search engine thinks I'm a little kid. <laughs> Well, like you sometimes do? you go in and you're like, I, differences between cats and dogs. Tell me details. <laughs> How fast is a beaver make a dam? Details. Five minutes. <laughs> what did you learn today about caterpillars? They're just squishing around. Nobody knows where the caterpillar's intentions lie. Are they in the goop? Are they in the butterfly? Are they just waiting for the caterpillar to become a butterfly? Or is there something oppressed in the caterpillar when it is forced to assume that beautiful form that we love so much? Right. Is it hell inside a cocoon? Is that where hell is? Is it like the jaunt? <laughs> he drives him mad and that's why moths are always flying in your face. Maybe... <laughs> Maybe they start off the same, and if they have a good jaunt, it's a butterfly, and if they have a bad one, it's a moth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's we <made> solved mystery. <laughs> you know who loves to solve mysteries about the Lepidoptera? Corygrella. She loves them. Can't blame them. What a beautiful and unique species, and they need somebody who's not just willing to discover all of their details, but to give them a life insurance plan that fits their budget and their needs. Right, right. I love it when my budget and my needs are met, and Corey Grell is the only one who's able to do that. If you were a caterpillar, where would you live? Harlem Township. That would be the place to be. There's shitloads of plants. I would live in someone's fancy yard, someone who had a bunch of flowers in it. Absolutely. I would squirm around. I would eat the flowers. You know, flower petals taste pretty good. Do they? Yeah. I would eat the purple ones. <laughs> Give a little spice. Somebody, hey, is there a nice little caterpillar out here shitting on the yard? And you'd say, yeah, that's me. That's me shitting was, on the yard. I, I was eating purple flowers so it looked nice for you. <laughs> Sometimes I eat the blue ones. Just here in Harlem Township. <laughs> Can you believe it? <laughs> well, if you haven't already, patreon.com slash University. Sign up there. Please do. You're still listening, so sign up there. It helps us keep making more of these it gives you access to our discord chat room which you will like to type in this episode was suggested by somebody on the discord who was it it was suggested by mishy thanks again mishy great suggestion as always thanks again for listening and we'll talk to you again soon i love you goodbye